Good morning, diners and travelers. Uh, you're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig. And in fact, I, I hope most of you aren't traveling to be perfectly safe. Um, but how about diners and imbibers, because that's kind of where we all are hibernated at this point. Um, we're going to start off the show. Um, we just can't get over the fact that a, a dear chef friend of ours has um, uh, passed away due to this, para- this coronavirus. So here goes. Rest in peace. Yes. Floyd Cardo's. A wonderful man, wonderful chef. Of, Go- of Goa, India, and New York City, Tabla. And Mumbai. He has a restaurant also in Mumbai. And, and, and we'll, which is, we, we, we all we miss him. He was such a, a gentle soul and, and such a wonderful cook. And uh, he will be missed. Of that there is no doubt. And s- sadly we decided we need to do some more about this virus crapola on the, on the program. So today's program is dedicated in that direction. And s- st- starting out with the response of a local Pittsburgh restaurateur who's been in business for 13 and a half years and all of a sudden isn't anymore. Yes, and, and we're t- going to be talking to Trevor Hooper. Um, uh, lots of things have been s- said about um, large operations and uh, multiple location restaurant groups, um, but there's this small family-owned group of restaurants that um, really are struggling. Uh, in this case, uh, Trevor has had uh, for what he had for, uh, did he say 13 and a half years? Yes. Um, Legume, which is a, a, a much lauded restaurant. And um, he now has, he's in the process of fusing butter joint, um, which is one of his three operations. Um, can pie we, for can, breakfast. Shall we, shall we put, shall we put uh, Trevor on? Yeah, let's let him tell us exactly what it's like for that size restaurateur to be hit with this crisis. Well, we're talking to somebody who we know pretty well, and we know his business pretty well, and um, we thought he would have a lot of good insights. Uh, Trevor Hooper is a chef restaurateur of uh, Butter Joint, uh, which his business has been for a while in a state of flux after his original business, his restaurant, Legume, Put in, was it 12 years? Uh, about 13 and a half. 13 and a half years. And you were blending a, a new business, which was pie um, for breakfast and uh, butter joint. And you, you started out with a particular philosophy, um, which has been really put to the test of everything local. But in the midst of all this, you're still doing really well. It's an outstanding uh, restaurant, and along comes the coronavirus. Now, we've heard of a lot of um, big restaurant groups, such as um, Danny Meyer's group in New York City, uh, laying off 2,000 employees in one day. And um, we know about just the simple mom-and-pop one-restaurant thing. Cameron Mitchell... He's been on. He's been on TV. He's a TV star now, but he let go four thousand people. Four thousand. 
So, uh, but we wanted to get your perspective, Trevor, on um, small business, but still um, a recognized, a lauded, and substantial business. And what has this virus and the shutdown done to you? Well, yeah, who knows yet? <laughs> Every day it's it's uh, it's so different to know like what the future looks like. But yeah, we we have uh, fifty four employees had, and now it's just uh, Sarah and myself. Yeah, so, your, your wife is your partner, Sarah, who's yeah. who's genius. She really is. She's you are the mother of five children who are all home because yeah. schools are shut, which has to be another stress. Yeah, oh yeah, it is, it is, it is stressful. <laughs> so, uh, without, you know, without any, uh, without any support network, um, because like even our, our family members, we, you know, we don't want to get them sick. So we're, we're kind of, you know, like, like, like everyone, just kind of in our own little bubble. Now, you, when we decided what time to, to talk to you, um, you, you let all those employees go, and they were like family to you. Some with, have been with you since the beginning, and you've known a lot of them for a long time. Um, it, you, you, we had to organize the time around um, pickup. Explain that. <laughs> well, um, so we have a lot of food, um, on in our you know so we I just made I've been making soups and just things that uh, my staff can come pick up um, so just to uh, you know people can come in they can say hello they can really quick you know we don't want anyone to linger around but they you know people can come in uh, make some contact get some food and go home because you know this is a lot of industry people, they live paycheck to paycheck. So it's a real thing. Um, so it, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't do much. I mean, I think the, uh, the economic hardships are much bigger, but we have the food. I have the time. So it kind of makes sense to, <laughs> so, to so, share it. so if I understand it correctly, Trevor, you're, you're still feeding your staff. Yeah, not every day. Uh-huh. Uh, we were the first week it came out. We were doing takeout every day, and so we had cooks here. So we were doing uh, our continuing our daily staff meal at four p.m. But now it's just me, and so I'm making soup like twice a week um, that that people can come pick up. Now, when you say people, uh, are they the people or customers? Ah, uh, my staff. Oh, still, still just your staff. Yes. Now, you tried a takeout model, and that didn't work. Why was that? Well, we, uh, I mean, takeout is something I've actively avoided for 14 years. Uh, I've never liked it. Um, so, uh, so to try to all of a sudden build a takeout business out of thin air uh, didn't make sense, and, and not to mention the fact that we're in the university neighborhood, so, you know, uh, no one's coming to work right now because the university shut down. So there are fewer workers in the neighborhood. There's fewer students. 
because when they had left for spring break, you know, the, you know, they were encouraged not to come back to Pittsburgh. So, yeah, the, so the neighborhood that we're in is very much, um, very much empty right now. So, uh, those, it just didn't make sense to keep going. And also, I think my staff didn't really want to, they, they brought up concerns about, you know, even though we were takeout, you know, we were doing things as touchless as we could, but they're still having to, you know, people are coming into contact with people, um, you know, dozens of times a day. Uh, so it was kind of a perfect storm of reasons why uh, we didn't want to move on with takeout. Uh, but we, but we're, we are doing delivery this week. Yeah, explain that. Well, we um, we had we. We still had all this inventory, yes. and so I made uh, one of the things we make are hamburgers for our bar, and so we had a lot of hamburger, and I had some pork, and uh, I made um, a bunch of meatloaf, and then um, we had our our, uh, our pastry chef um, had like all of the stuff that she needed to make pies and quiche. Um, and you have to remember, you know, for, for restaurants, it was kind of a overnight. This happened so fast. So, you know, a restaurant is like a train just kind of going down the tracks, and it doesn't stop right away. So we had this prep. Um, so she, she baked the pies that she had prepped. She baked, you know, the quiche, and we put them in the freezer. And so we had, and we don't normally freeze our stuff, but that was just, you know, we're just doing our best with the situation. And so we sent out a newsletter on um, Monday to our, our, our following and um, had this overwhelming response. Um, and basically the newsletter was, well, these are the things we'll have, we have now. Um, on Friday, we'll deliver it to your house. And um, we mean you and Sarah, personally, huh? What was that? You, when you said we will deliver, who, who are you talking about? Well, it, at first it was just going to be me, um, but then um, the response was kind of so overwhelming that we've we've had some family members volunteer to help us deliver. So it's not going to just be me. Uh, yeah, we have, we have over a hundred deliveries to make. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. So it's a little bit, you know, we, we thought we were just trying to get some money for so that we could pay our vendors. Um, just really, we're just trying to, you know, just, just make a little bit to, to pay people. And, uh, but it turned out to be kind of big. So for, for this week, and we don't know if it's just going to be a, one week, or people are just kind of wanting to support us and help us, and or if this is something people actually want, uh, and that they will do it again next week. So it, it's, I think for every small business right now, you know, like in the in the service industry, you're, we're just kind of taking it one week at a time, really one day at a time. And I think of how many pivots we've made in the last ten days. It's been like nothing else I've ever 
scene. Now let's let's move on. This is a sad, this is a sad story that we've well, just find recounted. Out before you move on, all right. Is I would like to know um, the people that were employees that were full time employees uh, that you let go. Uh, what recourse do they have for money? I mean, do they get unemployment? Uh, do your tips? Servers get reimbursed for tips or just some kind of salary. What what is what are the mathematics and the dollars and cents involved with this? Well, everyone is everyone's on on. Or we we encourage everyone to file for unemployment. Um, and I think that the you know tips are all on credit cards now, so there's very little cash tips in in our business anyway. So. Uh, so, so that's good in the sense that, you know, when they go to file for unemployment, there will be, that's what it will be, it'll be based on, you know, the, what, what they declare is, is pretty significant. So that's good for them. You think they'll um, get it? I mean, declare it's one thing, but it goes to the government channels, right? Uh, well, I mean, I think, Right. I guess my understanding of how unemployment works is you get a percentage of what your regular take-home pay is. Right, and that's coming from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, right? That's a state. Yeah. That's a state. That's a state program. Yes. And so, you, and you and you you participate in that, so your your employees have the advantage that you're subscribing yourself. You're making yes. contributions to the unemployment fund. Yes. Exactly. And that's one of the nice things about them that they they have declared most of their all their tips because just because of being a credit card business that it shows it shows how much they've paid in and how much they'll get. There you go. So, so that's good. So so yeah, am, am I okay to go? Yeah, I, 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 we still have. I wanted to find out about health insurance. I mean, mostly Westerns can't afford to pay health insurance for their employees. Well, we're we're paying for everyone through April 14th, um, and then after that, there's really not much we can do. Go ahead. That's something Sarah's on right now, and we're exploring what are our options for keeping the plan going somehow while no one's working so that when people start to come back, they can, um, you know, get... You know that we'll have a plan. But you're optimistic that this will not last long period of time. It'll be soon. I mean, I, I it's hard to say. I mean, it's I am I am not optimistic that restaurants are going to open in a matter of weeks. <laughs> I think it's going to be months. Me too. Well, now, yeah. now, now you've been undoubtedly watching or listening to what's going on in Washington with with great concern just as just as we have been doing and we're we're just buyers we're just eaters <laughs> we yeah. we don't have a business to run but it seems that this stimulus package or whatever they're calling it, it, it at least it looks like it's got a lot of money in there is is that going to help or is that not going to help I honestly haven't, I've been in the kitchen so much that I haven't had a chance 
to really, really digest. look into that. Um, I, I think all I'm trying to do is keep a thread going and um, keep something alive. And so it's, I'm kind of in that survival mode, and I and I feel like there's um, whatever is happening in Washington. I'm just going to kind of wait and see what they do and hope for the best. Social media has been very active on that, complaining that um, there's really a lot of money going to large corporations and not so much money going to small family businesses. That's not very surprising uh, at all. I, I think probably... What's I, I, one thing I've been thinking about is it's just going to be it's just going to be how do the the vendors, the landlords, and the relationships they have with small restaurants. Um, that I, I think it's just going to be those small scale relationships that really make the difference. Um, and of course, you know, the government funding is, is a big big part of that, but um, I, I think you you got to, you know, who's, <laughs> it's, it's such a mess, it's such a mess, and, and everybody's in it together. You know, I was talking to one of my, um, you know, one of our vendors, and he said, you know, it's a, a, a local food business, they're, you know, the fourth generation, and and he said, you know, they have two hundred thousand dollars of, um, you know, owed to them, and most of it's from restaurants, uh-huh. and so they're probably not going to see much of that. Yeah. And so it, it just it's on every level of the food system, um, you know, and and restaurants are a big, big part of how of of you know, how a lot, like a lot of local farms nowadays, like in the last, you know, 20 years, a lot of local farms, they've, they've stayed, they've been able to stay in business and local because of the relationships with uh, restaurants. Yes. Uh, Because restaurants are paying above commodity price for, for, for certain things. So there's just a lot of, a lot of things like that. Now, Trevor, you were in the middle of a transition of fr- from your business model of, of <laughs> three restaurants right next to one another to a yep. sort of different arrangement. But but that's not my question. My, my question is, I mean, if, if you can switch to delivery or if you can switch to takeout as quickly as you did, how, how quickly... Assuming your suppliers would provide you with food, and your landlord wouldn't wouldn't foreclose on you, how quickly could you become the restaurant you used to be, or the restaurant you were about to become? Well, well, I've been thinking about. I, I it's hard to say because who knows? You know, restaurants are so interconnected with the communities they serve. Right. And so when the community changes and everybody, you know, who knows what the unemployment rate's going to be, who knows, 
you know, and all those things. Who who know? Like the you know, fifty two people on our staff no are don't have a job with us right now. And how many of those people are are going to want to come back? And how many people are going to want to just do something different? You know. I hope I didn't get off track from your question. No, no, this is this is exa- this is exactly why why because we we respect your opinion and all the things that you've achieved since you came to Pittsburgh. So so we know how much you love the business and we know how much you care about it. So we're using you, if you like, as a proxy for the thousands of people with small restaurants across the country. Yeah, who want who, to know. I mean, who, who want to who them, talk about Who it. themselves are struggling. And uh, yeah. it, would be, it would be nice if you could see the light at the end of the tunnel and maybe they would see the same light as well and it wouldn't be an express train coming the other way. Well, but, you know, well, I think that there are two things going on I mean, on, that I think are really interesting is uh, Naomi Pomeroy, um, who's a, 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 obviously a very famous chef and restaurateur, she believes that a lot of these restaurants uh, will not come back without assistance from government yeah. funds, and they just can't. Uh, and then I, I follow up. Uh, there are all these. I mean, you're feeding your employees. They're your ex-employees. Um, there are all, all kinds of chefs and all kinds of restaurants, um, even right here in, in our market. Um, uh, they're donating free meals to people who are in greater need than they are. It's sort of more the same. They always call in restaurants to donate free stuff, right? Yeah, for for charitable events, and and they're yes. picking up they're picking up the pieces. I mean, there's something going on with um, uh, you know a couple of restaurants um, at the Vandal and and um, and what's his name's place, and they're, they're they're setting up free meals for people who need food. So I mean, that, that's, I ahead. think that's what that's what chefs love to do. They love to feed people, <laughs> you know, in, in, in any capacity, really. Um, we love to feed people, so I think it's a natural thing to do. And a natural, you know, all these chefs without jobs, what else are they going to do? You know, I think, I think chefs are, in general, pretty kind-hearted people. Yeah, I do, too. Well, anyhow, you have a long haul, I think, ahead of you. And, um, I mean, you are very level-headed, so that's one thing that, that I mean. <laughs> well, I, I, Go ahead. I, I think that's an important part of coming to the kitchen every day because um, that's where I, – I think it's just important to keep going in, in some way. Um and, and 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 I think every day, like when I'm out of all of my inventory, I don't know what what's what what makes sense. What 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 does going on look like? You know, do I get more inventory and keep going? Do I go spend time with my family uh, and Sarah? And do I go volunteer somewhere? There's just so many. Uh, it's just so. Such an interesting time. Uncertain times, yeah. Well, well, we wish you the we wish you the very best, 
and you, you may not remember this guy, Paul Paul Harvey, who used to be on, <laughs> who used to be on radio, and he would he would tell the story, and then he would go on and he would say something else, and then his sign off was, and that's the. The end of the story. That's the rest of the story. That's the rest of the story. So you you must promise us to come back and talk to us about the rest of the story when there is a rest to tell. Yeah, but in the meantime, um, how about a, a website where people can see the menu offerings um, that that you can that they can order and you will deliver. Where was sure. that? Um, thank you. That's butterjoint.com. Butterjoint.com. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, good stuff there. I'm one of everybody's prized restaurants. Thank you so much, Trevor Hooper, and hello to Sarah, and to the five little Bayblet Hoopers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for covering this uh, really important topic right now. Oh, it's, it's heartbreaking, to tell you the truth, but... All right, dear. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Okay. After after the break, we're gonna we're gonna look at the the impact of the of the virus on a different part of the food business. Not a, not a restaurateur, but someone who supplies an awful lot of restaurants, and they're of course experiencing the fact that the demand they usually have for their product is much reduced. So don't stay on the subject, but from a different point of view, right after the break. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Welcome back. Next, we're going to be talking to Suki and John Jamison of the much- well, it's countrywide, um, adored lamb, organic lamb farm, um, and uh, they they could explain it all themselves. John is, is a great storyteller. We happen to love our local farmers, and these in particular, John and Suki Jamison, um, who are premier organic lamb producers, um, and they happen to be in in our neighborhood, roughly speaking. Um, John and Suki, um, you you have been through a number of difficult times, as all farmers have. Uh, you outline a number of them in, in your wonderful book, Coyotes of the Pasture and Wolves at the Door. And boy, that title seems to be totally apropos of right now, doesn't it? It certainly does. We got a lot of wolves at the door, don't we? Yes. yes. Explain to our listeners what exactly happens. Um, give us an overview of, of the kind of business you have, and then what happens when one of these things comes along. Well, we so what we're really known for now, probably more than anything else, is the fact that we sell to a lot of restaurants that are uh, that are famous nationwide and have worked with a lot of chefs. But when we started the business in 1985, it was really started as a mail-order business selling directly to homeowners, retail consumers, 
you name it. And the idea was that we were basically going to copy what Omaha Steaks did at that time. Right except with our lamb and uh, the fact that it was naturally raised and uh, raised by us and only by us and no hormones, antibiotics, etc., and grass-raised. And so um, so that's what we did. And then in 88, uh, because of a, a benefit dinner in Pittsburgh at Lamont for Children's Hospital, we were discovered by chefs such as Jean-Louis Paladin, uh, Jean Bonchet, Wolfgang Puck, Jean-Georges von Gerichten, and that really started us into that business. But we had, over the years, always, always had a very strong um, tie to retail customers so that <clears throat> we, we had our own mailing list, and then for a period two periods actually, one of about five years and one of about two or three, we sold uh, through the Williams-Sonoma catalog. And uh, then that kind of supplemented our own mail order uh, catalog, which we had. And it was always uh, a very, very strong part of our business. Uh, At the start, it was 60 or 70% retail mail order and then uh, 30 to 40 percent respectively um, of uh, restaurants and now it's kind of about 50-50. But anyway, when all this happened a few weeks ago or a month ago or whatever it is now, it's such a blur to everyone, I I think, with the shutdown of the restaurants, we just started concentrating on uh, on our mail order business to consumers. And, and of course, you had other aspects of your business that won't work because they don't work with social distancing, such as cooking classes and um, butchering classes and uh, an event space with catering, the whole thing. Yes. Right. yes. And that, that obviously is kind of on hold now. But, <coughs> but we do, uh, beside the cuts, that that we have the the cuts of legs and racks and whatever it is. Um, Suki also started making uh, prepared products. Uh, gosh, twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. And, and John, and, what you were doing there was, and, and you say this in in a recent some recent words we saw from you that, that there were all these parts left over. Yes. The residents didn't want, but, yes. you, but you knew were wholesome. So Suki set about figuring out how, how to make them really saleable rather than just something you put on the table at home. Yes, that's right. And and it, at the time that we started, uh, again, 25, 30 years ago, at the time we started, uh, all that the restaurants really wanted uh, when when we started doing restaurants then after 88, all the restaurants really wanted were uh, racks and saddles. Right. So they didn't want shoulders. They didn't eat shanks. Um, so we took uh, all those prod- all those pieces um, and started making different products with uh, the influence of a lot of chefs 
we we made this we made merguez and uh, when we started making the merguez we sent samples out to Jacques Pepin was the one who asked that we made merguez and so then we sent samples of it to to him to to uh, Jean-Marie Lacroix to Jean-Louis Paladin to Jean Joho so it was great so you had all these French guys arguing with each other about what was the proper merguez. <laughs> and so anyway, we made it, and it was, and it's a great product. And when we did the other soups and stew, one of the stews that we make, um, uh, Suki actually made with Jean-Louis in the kitchen at the Watergate. And uh, then we developed it into our uh, our product. But, yeah, that it was because... No one would buy shoulders and shanks, and now everybody loves them, so yeah. it's kind of a different thing. Now, I mean, I would think that this is be, this is the time when people who don't want to go out, they're isolating in, in, in place, um, they don't want to go to the supermarket, and they would welcome buying these products. Now, how do you get in touch with them besides your mailing list? Oh, just our mailing list, just word of mouth. Word of mouth is, would be the, the best way. Um, Why don't we do your website because that's another Oh, I see the website. Yeah, people go on, they go on the Internet and they type in lamb and then they'll come up Jamison Lamb or Jamison Farm and www.jamisonfarm.com. Singular, but, singular. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we have customers we've had for over 30 years that it's just amazing. They just keep coming back, which is wonderful. I mean, it's, it's so easy. I mean, it really is. This well, our whole, our whole purpose has been to expose lamb to people because lamb is not everybody's first choice, and we know that. We knew that when we started this, but we love it. We have loved it, and we've developed all these products because we love the way it cooks up, and uh, we were hoping other people would try and discover lamb really is that good because there are the the ones that love it really love it and they know but then there's some that don't and i was shocked that because i was i was raised on lamb of course and i was shocked to find out in fact i kept serving leg of lamb to this um, particular couple Uh, it, it must have been for years (laughs) <laughs> finally they got up enough nerve to tell us that we hate that they hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> well we we have cooking classes and people will come and they'll, they'll say well I'm bringing my partner or I'm bringing my wife and she doesn't eat lamb and blah 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 and I said well you know come ahead you'll learn something no matter what whatever and by the end of the evening usually they're all eating it they're all eating lamb yeah <laughs> In 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 the cookbook that we did that you mentioned, thank you. Suki has twenty five recipes, twenty two or three of which are all lamb. We had to throw something and some desserts, I think. But anyway, they're all easy, and that's what that was the whole point of what we were trying to do. And so that's something too. The 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 it's very easy to use it for a lot of. Uh, purposes and and people miss that there's this mystique that all you have is a rack of lamb in a fancy restaurant and it costs too much and makes you mad but it tastes so good <laughs> and, right and so there's a lot of other things you could do and so it's great 
Now, I mean, you found yourself in this situation, and as I said, you're you're, you're depending on your your established retail customers. Yeah. Um, like, switch to your onto your business hat, both of you, and what do you see down the road? Oh, it's pretty uncertain at this point. Mm-hmm. That's all we can say. Yeah, really, that's why there was the pregnant pause there. It's yeah. it's it really is. It's hard to it's hard to see what where we go, and and the poor restaurants are in such it's such a terrible situation that we you know we're trying to keep going as best we can, and at least we have this market and. Um, uh, the retail mail order market, and we don't know how long that will last. But um, hopefully, this thing will be past us in I don't know who knows how long, and uh, we'll be back to business. But in the meantime, uh, we we can make a lot of products. A lot of the um, uh, prepared things that we make are just wonderful. The lamb barley. Soup and the lamb pies. We won an award at the fancy food show with that, so we we can make that stuff all the time, and and that's probably the way we're going to go until we see what's going on. And they, it's day to day, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and it's it's not just you. I mean, multiply this by all the uh, the independent farmers across the country. Yes. Yeah, we're just we're very fortunate that we have. Uh, we had established somewhat of a uh, shipping routine with our, uh, you know, with our retail customers, and they're they're still there for us. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to lay off employees like Danny Meyer had to let two thousand workers oh, in his sure. restaurants oh, yeah. go I'm in sure. one day. It's devastating for everyone, and they can't. I mean, where are they going to get employment now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're I mean, where? Yes, yeah. Same, well, our daughter is one of them. No, there's a, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a point we should get across here because one one of the wonderful things about the system you've developed over over this long period of time is an ability to be able to to send what it is people want to order and, and have for dinner tomorrow or the day after from from your catalog of products and thanks to good old UPS. Oh yeah. It, it's we started. But I, I I was thinking about that in the in the blast that we just sent when we started in '85 and started trying to ship lamb through the mail. UPS didn't know how to do it. We didn't know how to do it, and we'd get mad at each other. But we finally figured out how to do it, <laughs> and it was it was great. But um, gosh, it's been that long. And we have a very good relationship with them, and they have a, a huge station at New Stanton, which is 10 miles as the crow flies, I guess, from the farm. And it's wonderful, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's been a very, very good relationship. So we've established that, and, and you're right. It's just now that this situation has come up, we can... It's kind of like takeout. For the restaurants who are able to to be able to turn over to be able to do takeout, that's kind of what we are. Yeah. Take, take yeah. out by yeah. order. Guess what we're having for dinner tonight, folks? <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had a little takeout. <laughs> well, we, we, have, we, we have a little takeout. The, the man with the brown truck came yesterday, and 
we're we're ra- rapidly diminishing the amount of <laughs> Jamison lamb that we have in the freezer, but it'll, it'll it'll last a few more weeks. Now you had some experience dealing with sudden catastrophes, and um, Suki was telling me you had all this fresh lamb cut and hung when this hit. Yes, we did, and we've now processed all of it, and it's all been cut into um, retail cuts mostly. We did a, we did some restaurant cuts before we knew that all the restaurants were going to be shut completely. So we have a freezer full of uh, of ready to go lamb, and then we're the parts that we haven't gotten to yet. We're making into other products. Right. So this this week especially, we're making sausage and soup. And lamb pie. Everybody could use that, that's for sure. This time. <laughs> but Easter's coming, and so legs of lamb. Now, let's there. talk about Easter. I mean, the only thing I ever had for Easter was lamb. Well, it's funny because around here, John used to always say they would, in western Pennsylvania, most people would have ham for Easter. Oh, no. When And when we started our business, that was an uh, indication that mail order was a good thing because we would ship it all over the country and not so much in Pittsburgh. But but now things have, have uh, changed. definitely changed. Well, let's hope that comes back. And then watch on your website to see when things ease up and you can start doing all your events and your classes and your tours as well. Right. Oh, yeah, we had some we had some. Interesting tours and, and uh, engagements and things that had to be postponed until, well, maybe they'll come back on the calendar in August or September. We're not sure. Yeah, I mean, there, there are events that, so you cancel a conference, but there are all these people down the line who are participating in the conference, and they get canceled as well. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a worldwide, yeah, worldwide cancellation for sure. But you guys... You seem to have the experience and the attitude that that you'll be able to come out the other end of it. A lot of young people have entered in the farming community startups, and chances are they won't make it, will they? It's it's tough. It's tough. We've been doing, you know, as Suki's Suki's grandmother always said, if you hang long enough, you get used to hanging. (laughs) So, (laughs) So with us, we're still hanging, and uh, I don't know if it's hanging in there, but <laughs> we're at least still hanging. I think it's, but I think you're right. You know, we've been, we've, the, is the book, the title, the book, as Suki said, the title came before the book. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the wolves at the door, We there were a lot of wolves at the door, and we've just, we just, we just get up every morning and do what we do, <laughs> pretty much. And, hope for the uh, best. And hope for the best. But, yes, it's going to be tough for people that are uh, uh, young farmers that are set, that are dependent upon uh, uh, restaurants. It's going to be tough. And then no do you question. talk to other farmers and about this? Really not yet because we've just been so trying to figure out what we do for our customers and for our employees. Really, that's where we've looked at everything first. And uh, but yeah, we will be talking with other farmers about it. We've had some some correspondence with some back and forth, but I haven't talked to anybody directly yet. 
Yeah, well, there, because there were people were sending out all kinds of notices of, um, of signing petitions, requesting emergency relief funds, and so forth. I mean, I don't think it's hit the public yet on what we lose if, if we lose these small independent farms. Well, uh, it's going to take a long time for them to get back in, but there again, it's a lot of it's seasonal. A lot of the, especially the produce producers, and they're, you know, if they have the ability to plant their plants and, and tend their plants over the summer, they may be able to harvest in the fall and things will be back. And, I mean, farmers are used to seasonality, is what uh-huh. I'm saying. Right. Anyway, for, the, for, for those of us like us who are lamb lovers, it's, it's a perfect time for us to indulge in our love of lamb. And, and listeners, do check out the website, jamisonfarmsingular.com, and, and you'll find all these wonderful things that will save you a lot of labor and provide you with a great deal of nutrition at, at the press well, of a button. thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> but thank you, too, and thank you for being friends as well. Absolutely. Well, thank Keep you. in touch. We'll yes. see you soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. And now for our final segment, I will say that we recorded this interview with Lydia Bastiange before all the mandatory closings of restaurants in uh, New York City and the country. Um, but Lydia fits right in with this um, because she is one of those ultimate resilient restaurateurs and chefs. Uh, and also she's offering, which was not, of course, mentioned, uh, that if you buy a gift card, what, Rabbit? If you buy a gift card, then 20, 20, 20% of the value of the gift card will be put into a fund in, in, order, in order to help those people who are displaced from work because the restaurant is closed. I, I think I can finally, after all these years, call you dear friend Lydia Matikio Bastianich. It's been quite sure, a long yeah, time. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but th- this book is rather special, I think. Uh, it's the first one where you break out all of the, the backstory and the special recipes of your flags, uh, flagship restaurant, Felidia, which for some reason I never put together as a combination of Felix and Lydia. But <laughs> <laughs> all these years I never did that. So, well, now you know. Now I know. Um, but, you know, the, your introduction is like, uh, it's a, a little autobiographical, more so than usual in, in your books. And uh, you see really opening up a lot. I mean, you struggled opening Felidia. Well, Felidia, uh, initially, uh, uh, that's, you know, we had, we opened our first restaurant in 71, and then it did well. We enlarged it. We had another restaurant. We sold both of those restaurants to open for Lydia in 1981 in the city. And we had everything planned like one usually projects, uh, but we didn't plan on the building when we were digging for the cellar 
uh, that that we needed to underpin the build the whole building. Bu- the building was crumbling, if you will, and that put uh, a really uh, dent in in our budget in our uh, almost not opening Bolivia. So it was kind of a <clears throat> a difficult work, if you will. But uh, that's you know forty years ago, so we're okay now. Well, yeah, it, all this time. Yeah, I mean, it, the longevity thing, uh, you, you, you closed some of your, of your restaurants, including the, the one in Pittsburgh, um, which everybody complains about they miss. But I, I guess it wasn't really producing enough income to justify it staying open. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, why would you close it? You, you know what, the ladies, Lydia? What? You know the you know the big fish on the side of the the office building across from you. Yes. They, they have a proposal now to put a twenty-story pub. I mean, an office building right on that corner. Well, you know, I mean, uh, that area has been uh, sort of reviving, trying to revive itself. Right, uh, right. For the longest time, but you know, uh, the effort and the time that it took to put into it, it really didn't yield the results. And so, you know, it was a choice. Do we do that? Do we do something else? And so on. You know, uh, uh, that was a business choice. Oh, yeah. Not, not, yeah. You know, I was trying to remember um, uh, uh, Fortunato. Um, wasn't he married to a publicist or an assistant of yours? Fortunato is married to Shelley, my... That's it. Uh, okay. Yeah, my publicist, my sister. She's with me uh, almost since the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, she, she, a dear friend of Tanya, and her and Tanya are very important and instrumental in everything I do, television, books, and so on. Right. And yes, when Fortunato came at Felidia, uh, you know, they fell in love. And so that was an added bonus now. We have a family, uh, uh conjunction there between the chef and my right hand. Yes. And, and you have this wonderful family. How, how is your mother? My mother, 99, uh-huh. she, you know, she's doing fine. She uh, reads the times every morning. She enjoys good food. And thank God uh, she's healthy and well. <laughs> That's great. Um, and and uh, uh, Tanya, of course, and Joe are all working. Um, well, Tanya, Tanya has really gotten into the business. And, and Joe, so, you know, the business is growing uh, uh, we, we, we are, I think we're planning a new opening and maybe next, next, uh, uh, but I, that's their project, so I don't want to spill the beans, oh. but when it happens, You'll when it happens, we'll talk about it, okay. uh, but they're working very hard, and I am su- such a proud mom to see, uh, the two kids, uh, working, working together and a family and doing a great job. Yeah, well, you I mean, you're really about family, it's a, I mean, you, you trace your whole background and where you are and how you got there. It's all intertwined in, with the family. Well, you know, for me, it always has been uh, family is at the basis. Family is what gives you strength. Family is what gives you support and great satisfaction. And and so, you know, uh, uh, coming here as immigrants was just the four of us, the family. We stuck together. We stuck uh, uh, we, 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 we made it with the opportunities that only America can give. 
and uh, we still, you know, my mother has lived with me all these years. I know. And uh, she she helped me take care of Joe and Tanya uh, so I can go to work, so we, I can continue my business. And you know what? what? Uh, when the kids come over and the grandkids come over, say, okay, we are going to take care of Grandma. This is our <laughs> turn to take care of Grandma. Oh, that's great. Um, now, are these recipes, were they like not published until you did this book? Okay, so, I mean, there's some recipes that were published in different books, different times. But this book is something that, you know, it's my 13th book. And uh, uh, prior to this, besides my American Dream, which was my memoir two years ago, all my books are cookbooks. Uh, In a sense, you know, Lydia cooking this, Lydia's that. But this is almost... um, a kind of an, an appreciation, uh, a thank you to all the people that through the years have made for Lydia such a success. And, you know, it's going to be 40 years now in, 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 in April. It's unheard and, uh, of, Lydia. Absolutely unheard exact, of. Exactly. For a restaurant <laughs> to be 40 years and to be so vibrant still and contemporary. And, uh, you know, Lydia has two hands, so it's not only Lydia. It's a whole team. It's all the people that came through, and the people, you know, I still have two people from the original employees uh, when I opened Solidia, and then Fortunato is with me more than half a lifetime, 20-somewhat years, so, you know, we collaborated great, and even in this book, we work together because some of the recipes uh, are are a collaboration of of, uh, our recipes, his, my recipes, and the recipes in Solidia, or for that matter, most of my my restaurants, are recipes that are traditional Italian, based in the Italian cuisine. And uh, uh, at Solidia, uh, at the restaurants, of course, the chefs kind of embellish and make it special. But in this book, we reverted back to the simplicity of cooking these recipes at home. So they're very doable. So people, uh, customers of Solidia, my fans that follow me, could really make the food and the flavors that they they taste when they come to Philidia. Well, you know, this is, uh, uh, for a while we had all these coffee table cookbooks and all these restaurant things, and nobody could ever do anything with them except leave them on the coffee table. Uh, and now the, the, the whole slew of, of cookbooks we're getting now um, for on the menu um, are doable cookbooks. I mean, you can actually cook from them. And and the well, other part is, of course, the, the personal stories. And you have a lot of those in here, and also from uh, Chef Dakota. Yeah, yeah, that's important. People want to know more about the people that are behind the food. But, you know, uh, my cookbooks, and maybe, and even the show, maybe that's why it's, you know, it's still, after 20 years, I have such a following, is because from the very beginning, I realized that I wanted people to cook my recipes, not to watch my, uh, you know, uh, 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 just the pictures and all of that. I really wanted them to cook uh, from the book, and I made it simple. And Julia Child kind of uh, exemplified that. Uh Her cookbooks cookbooks (laughs) were for people to cook from, and her television show was for people to cook from, not to watch her do uh, big things uh, like chefs do. And I said, you know, 
That makes sense. People are going to watch me, and they're going to give me half a half an hour of their time watching my show. Then I want them to take something away. I want them to be able to make the recipes. Well, um, I mean, they're very clearly written, that's for sure. Um, I, there are some things that were surprising to me, like um, I, did, I did not know about chocolate ravioli. Oh, well, that's simple. And it's, uh, that's Fortunato Nicotras, you know, because yeah. uh, chefs now and then have to uh, get creative and invent things, but not be so far-fetched. And, but, you know, Sicily, Sicily is known to use chocolate. They do a dessert uh, where they do eggplant and chocolate. Oh, boy, and I so, missed that one, too, growing up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's as simple as adding cocoa powder to your dough mix when you're mixing your dough. I was thinking I'd like to try that one, actually. Oh, you know what you I should. was thinking about is um, I need a winter salad, and I was remembering the one I used to make from you, and I'm not sure if I remembered exactly. Um, it's um, thinly sliced uh, finocchio, um, the, um, what was it, the uh, uh, celeriac, uh, green and black olives, Green yeah. apples, green apples, and I think it was a lemon dressing, lemon and, and um, olive oil dressing. Yeah, yeah, you know, these you have, you have a lot of the root winter vegetables, and sometimes, you know, I think now we have everything all the time, but, you know, uh, cooking was that season, within the season. And wintertime, uh, you know, you cook the roots or roast the roots or whatever, and then you toss them in a great salad, make a great salad. Right. Now, I mean, do you, you're sticking pretty much to, I mean, I know you update, because you always have, um, but do you get pressured, I, I, even in Italy, apparently there are people pressuring for uh, modernizing the traditional foods. Do you get any kind of pressure that way? Well, well, uh, you know, I, you look at what's going on and you look at all these uh Michelin-starred restaurant, and they all are making foams and this mosaic compositions on the plate. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, this accolade that comes their way, and sometimes it says, well, you know, maybe, but I am not, I don't feel pressure at all. I know what I do is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It is uh, correct and proper uh, for the Italian uh, cuisine, the Italian culture, because, after all, I am a conduit of Italian food, uh, the the food of the Italian people, and I bring it to my new home here and my American family. So I am a conduit. I don't feel like I am a a need to be a creator. Although, you know, you innovate, absolutely. You know, from time to time, innovations uh, do come in, but within reason. Now, you you do have recipes from what was the region you came from, right? Yes, yes, yes. Very, very, very much so. And we, we've actually been in Trieste a couple of times. And we, and uh-huh. we don't find it surprising that there's sauerkraut on the menu, for example, because of the influence that came from the Austrian Empire to the north. Exactly. You know, that's, that area was under the Austrian-Hungarian for a long time. It has the Slavic influence. 
And so, so you find all of that in, in the cooking of that area. You know, uh, uh, gnocchi de suzini, the, the gnocchi with the plums inside and then rolled in cinnamon breadcrumbs with sugar. That's very much Austrian, uh, okay. you know. And, and, and so the yota, which is pasta fagioli, but instead of pasta, we put sauerkraut. Very much, uh, you know, Slavic and Germanic. And that's part of our menus. You know, it's not that, uh, so, so, uh, absolutely, you know, we are border cuisine. But if you, if you go around Italy and the different borders, you will find this historical, uh, markings on the cuisine, you know, the different occupations, the different, I mean, look at Sicily, Moorish, Spanish, uh, oh, yeah. Arab, Arab, <laughs> North Africa. It has, it reflects all of those cultures. Uh, in, yeah, in I used to love that book you did because, you know, as I said, I was raised um, uh, Sicilian, but uh, there were all these funny substitutions because you couldn't get the ingredients here. And you had one of your books um, was on Italian-American cooking, and you pointed out, like, what some of these cheese substitutions and stuff were. Um, one of them was, I see it in, in all the Italian cookbooks, um, a bread called scacciata. Okay. Schiacciata, yes. What is it? Schiacciata. Schiacciata. Well, we have, we had in our family a family recipe called Frascaccia, which was Italian bread, and it was stuffed with um, Swiss chard, um, a, a, a yellow cheese. I don't remember American, what they used. It was American cheese. American right? cheese was all they had. Um, Parmesan, <laughs> olive oil. And then you rolled it up and you baked it. And that was called scotcha. It has no relationship yeah. to for the other that I see in all the Italian cookbooks, the uh, scacciata. Yeah, you know, it's uh, a cuisine, especially the Italian cuisine, is uh, a cuisine uh, trying to grab all the opportunities and utilizing as much, wasting nothing, and making it delicious, uh, you know. Uh, that's what the Italian cuisine really reflects. Right. Well, I mean, your recipes are wonderful, and um, I have a, a new a new use for, we, we, you know, once you plant um, uh, sunchokes or Jerusalem artichokes, once you plant them, you never get them out of your garden because they just, you don't yeah. get to dig them all up. And um, but I always run out of, of what to do with them, and you have a whole recipe here that uses real artichokes, baby artichokes with sunchokes and pistachios. <laughs> it sounds fabulous. It's a great, great combination. I mean, I love sunchokes. Yeah. You know, they have a unique taste. They have a crunchiness, but they're you know, and you can eat them certainly thinly sliced in the salad. But I love them roasted. I think they're delicious. They're like, a, you know, with other root vegetables, they make a great uh, contorno of, of a roast. Uh-huh. I like them when they're even boiled and then tossed and them then, yeah, that's in a salad. Like yeah. well, we, we and, and I like them in a, in, in a soup as well. No, I, well, I, I roast them with um, garlic, them with, lots of garlic. Whole, pepper, and, whole peppercorns. No, they're not peppercorns. They're um, and then there's another. Well, hold on, let me, let me finish. There's, all, there's also is it garlic? No, there's some something that comes in lumps. Lumps. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. 
What are you looking for? I don't know what he's looking for. <laughs> no, I, I think there we go. It cloves. There are garlic cloves in that. And, and that yeah, there's, a, there's, listen, there's a garlic head, and then there's lots of cloves that right. form the head put together. Right. right. So you can, you can use the whole head and roast it, and that's good, delicious. Or you can just peel the clothes and roast them together with the sunchoke. That's that's what we do. That's what we do. No, right. Lydia, what's new for you? I mean, I know you can't tell us about uh, Tanya and Joe's. Well, we, well, we also I put, am. We also put juniper berries in there. Juniper berries. Juniper what? berries. Yeah, that's well, the garlic oh, juniper, juniper berries. Hmm? Yeah, juniper berries are good. Yeah, with, yeah, we with, use it game with olive oil on and the uh, sunchokes, Jerusalem artichokes, roasted them. Uh, Really good. Um, so, oh, what new plans do you have? You're continuing your TV series, well, obviously. Yes, yes. We're, we're. I'm just filming now. I'm going to be filming in the next few months the new the new series for the which will air in October. Uh, I am working on a, testing the recipes for a new book, a one pot meal book, sort of you know using one pot to cook meals mm-hmm. and how delicious they can be and how. Uh, doable they are and how practical they are. Uh, and then uh, we are opening another Italy in Dallas. Okay, that's, yeah, wondered. Dallas, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so that's exciting. We had just opened one for Christmas in Toronto. I'm not sure if yeah, you were I like aware Toronto, of that. yeah. I like, I was thinking, it's probably the best cosmopolitan city I know. It's really great. Yeah, Toronto is doing very well. Uh, and so, um, you know, I'm continuing to work. We're going to add uh, uh, a new uh, uh, pasta. We're working on a bolognese sauce for my pasta and sauce line. You know, oh, right. pasta yeah. and sauce line. Yeah. Our son so, uses that exclusively your pasta sauce. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, my son-in-law, who's Roman, he works on that. And uh, And so, you know, we're doing some new things with our winery. Uh, well, what's happening with that? Well, the winery's doing well. You know, it's, that's where we go for the summer. You've been there. Yeah, no, I love it. But what, uh, the, I guess we escaped this uh, huge tariff that Trump was going to put on it, right? Yes, for now. Hopefully it will, it will, it will stay, uh, uh, so we, we are, you know, planting on, 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 uh, some international varietals to do some white blends. And you know, we have like, the Bastianich uh, Vespa and uh, Bianco Vesparoso, which are the elegant, the apple wine. But we're also working on a, on a line of delicious, fresh, like a fresh uh, uh, Friulano, which would be the Tokai varietal, um, uh, uh, Sauvignon, uh, but it's it's a delicious Sauvignon. So we're working on a, on a, on a very approachable and economical and delicious middle-of-the-road line uh, to go well with Italian food every day. Uh huh. Now, I, did I tell you about the time we visited the Noninos in, in uh, Friuli? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they, where they, they paired grappa with, with every course. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's you know, even for me, uh, I was raised on grappa. That that's a little far fetched. Oh, only, only the Noninas will do that. <laughs> was, you know, she was she was Janola. Yeah, was here about uh, two weeks ago okay. in New York. She 
she visited with me, so it was nice to see her. Oh, I like them very much. They have a good yeah, time. Yeah. So, well, anyhow, well, we miss you, and um, hopefully we'll run into. And you going to any events? I guess nobody's traveling much right yeah, now. Yeah, or if you come to New York, and from time to time, let's have this nice conversation. Okay. Uh, Lydia, All right? Yes, Lydia. And everyone get this book. It's her, uh, Lydia Bastianich's new book called For Lydia, and it's, it's a very heartwarming introduction as well, Lydia, because you worked so hard. You've worked so hard your whole life, and you deserve all the credit you get. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps it again for this week, and uh, until well, well, next let, week. Let's, let's hope, like we all do, that this virus thing gets wrapped up as soon as possible and everything can return to some semblance of normality. In the meantime, we're, we're normal. We're here, <laughs> same time, same place next week. So be sure to join us then. And until then, bye-bye.